Hello and welcome to Unchained the Podcast. Today we have a very special episode with a very special guest present. I'm your host for today, Carmen Watt. I'm the author of the book Why? Sexual Abuse and Pornography. Daily Battles That Can Cause a Lifetime of War. And finally, our special guest today is Dr. Anke Brandt. Anke is a respected speaker, consultant and qualified counsellor. She uses her experience to educate parents, leaders, pastors and teachers regarding the dangers of digital media. She has completed two PhD degrees on the subject of digital addiction. Dr. Brandt is also the author of The Digital Dilemma. Thank you for being here today, Anka. Good day, Carmen, and thank you so much for this amazing opportunity just to share our life and our stories and what we do here in South Africa. So thank you again for this amazing opportunity. Oh, it's just our pleasure to have you. It's wonderful to think that God connects people from Texas all the way to South Africa. It's just awesome, isn't it? And that's that's the positive thing about technology. So not everything about technology is bad. There are some amazing things about this digital world of ours. But I think tonight we're going to talk about something completely different. Isn't it true? Absolutely. The digital dilemma. Tell our listeners a bit about your book. Why did you write uh, that book? Yeah, Carmen. So this is quite a story. It started for me about 11 years ago when I just finished my master's degree in biblical counseling, pastoral counseling. And at that stage, my younger brother was still living at home. He was in grade 11 and he started to play an online game called World of Warcraft or WoW. Still a popular game today, still a lot of people playing that game, but that game just grabbed my brother and to the point where he eventually he finished school while actually got three distinctions in metric, went to university, but his gaming life just escalated and his regular normal life went absolutely to nothing. So what happened is that he actually switched over his day and night. He was depressed. He lost all his friends. He moved back home. He dropped out of varsity. And he was just a shell of the human being that we used to know. And at that stage, my father asked me, so please, Anka, just please, please, please do something. So, you know, what do I do? I don't know nothing about gaming addiction. I'm a theologian. So, so I decided to start studying again. So that's where the first PIG originated is just trying to find out and figure out what is happening actually to my brother. And very interesting enough is that when I started with the research, I found out that although there was a recognition of children and adults changing their life and changing their habits and leaving families and being um, aggressive and rebellious. So the psychological world acknowledged that something has happened with the children and with the adults, but there was no medical proof with regards to digital addiction or gaming addiction. What we had at that stage was 
that thing that happened a lot where children will just barge into schools, especially in America, and just like shoot and kill a lot of their fellow classmates and fellow pupils. And not one of them survived. So there was no study or research onto why these children did that. Except for one guy, his name was Anders Breivik. And he was from Oslo and he killed 72 of his classmates in 73 minutes and he actually survived. So they didn't kill him, they caught him. And when it was time for his court case, a very interesting thing happened is that his defense team said that Anders Breivik had severe brain damage because of a first person shooter game. And that is where we started realizing, all right, something is up, something is going on. And then from there, really, the research was now beginning to prove what we could see in real life. So, um, so that was where my first PhD started. And I also started to speak at schools and people invited me and churches invited me. And I also started doing counseling. And in the counseling room, I could also see, all right, but something is happening especially with the millennials, because we must remember the millennials basically was the biggest experiment in the history of mankind. So the millennials were flooded with digital devices, flooded with social media and just left to, to explore and to do whatever they want. And only now we see the consequences of that. So, yes, yeah, so in the in the counseling room, I could see the devastation, the suicide attempts, the the self-harming, the addiction, the depression, the the self-loathing because of social media, everything. And um and I started to compile information for myself. And when I speak at schools or at churches, somebody would come to me afterwards and say, Listen, but where can I get this information? And yeah, the information was in my head. It was my information, and that's why I started to do like a manual almost of, of the information that I've gathered over the time. And um, so that's, that was the start of the book by, by the grace of God. <laughs> that is just amazing. And also so sad to know that this is really a touch you personally. It's not yes. only a book, you know, it has impacted your life. You're living from Absolutely. what you have experienced. You make it, you made it your, your life journey and calling to assist people just because what you have experienced yes so Carmen, a very interesting story as well about the book is and this is just proof how amazing amazing god work i was um got a divorce way back then and was single for quite a while and at one stage just before COVID, a mute a friend of mine she's actually like my spiritual mother she came to me and she said to me um, God showed me your husband and I was laughing at her and I said oh that's very interesting because they didn't show God showed me nothing so <laughs> and um, anyway so we agreed to meet and we so he was a physiotherapist also divorced and a couple of weeks after we've met it was the the lockdown now in South Africa we had what I'm sure also by you but with us you know, it was also like a militant lockdown here in South Africa. Where, and initially they said it's going to be 21 days hard lockdown for us. And um, 
Aldred said, he's my husband now. We were in different provinces. So I said, listen, we are going to be one massive family in the same house during lockdown. So we were 12 people in the same house. And I said to him, if you do not mind sharing a bathroom with me, you can come stay with me during lockdown. So it so happened that at one day I gave him a copy of my script at that stage. And I said, you know, this is what I do because we didn't know each other very well. We just met. And I said to him, would you mind just reading through this for me and, and give me your opinion? And he started laughing when he started reading that. And he said, you know what? I was a gaming addict for 20 years. I have roughly 30,000 gaming hours and I've lost everything because of gaming. I lost my marriage. I cannot see my child often. I've lost my practice. I've lost everything. And here in hot lockdown, God gave me like a real life case study in my house. And we just shared stories and we share, he shared his testimony of having such a broken background and the reason for his gaming addiction was actually a wounded identity and the games gave him almost like an escape into another world. And so, yes, he became the co-author of the book. He wrote a whole chapter on his testimony and we got married a couple of months later. So, Yes, that is. I just love that. What an amazing story. <laughs> it is. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. And how we are both now doing this in the kingdom of God, just warning people, just sanctifying the body, just helping with counseling and traveling all over. So God is good. Despite all the bad, God is always good. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you for the work that you do for the kingdom, you know, helping families and parents and children. I think that's the most epic work that you can do, especially if you look in the age, the darkness that we live in. But we, I mean, we are speaking to parents today and families and yeah, if you're listening, maybe you're a gamer, maybe you have a porn addiction, maybe you're on Instagram seven hours a day. Uncle, with your experience and your knowledge, what would you say is the devastating consequences of social media and exposure to just being on screens the whole time? What, what, what is it? So, yeah, the thing is, if we go a little bit back to the book, so the title of the book is The Digital Dilemma, Restoring Wholeness in Spirit, Soul and Body. So what we have seen with the devastating consequences of the digital world it does not only affect you on a psychological level with regards to the depression and the anxiety and the rebellion and the isolation, but it also affects your brain. So just as you can get addicted to cocaine, you can get addicted to your digital device. So that's where the word, word digital cocaine comes from. Because if you have to take a brain scan of a person who is addicted to cocaine and you take a brain scan of a person who is addicted to their screens and you compare the brain scans with each other, it looks exactly the same. So there is the, 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 the devastation in the soul part, there's the devastation on the body part, but what a lot of people do not realize is the bondage in the spirit part as well. 
So a lot of people will go to rehab, for example, and rehab is good, but rehab treat you um, on medication and rehab will treat you on the soul part. But what about the spirit part? What about the bondage in the spirit? What about the wounded identity? What about the trauma if you have been exposed to pornography and you're still a child? What about that? And that's why we believe a lot of people um, will relapse after rehab because the wound is not treated. So the interesting thing is they, they divide digital addiction into five different categories. Three of them we see often in children. It's a social media addiction. We see, uh, we see a pornography addiction, and then we see a gaming addiction. Now, the reason why they gave it a different, they well, they almost like categorize it in different categories, is the symptoms look different, and because the symptoms look different, the treatment is different. So to explain that a little, if you take, for example, a Porn addict. A person who is addicted to pornography is a very shameful person. So the biggest burden that person is carrying is massive shame and guilt. And they will never speak about the addiction. It's almost like this hidden darkness. And they, although it has a massive impact on their life, it's not something that they will talk about. So to get a Pornography addict to the point of repentance is sometimes very, very, very difficult because a porn addict can be a person on the pulpit and you will not know that this person is, is a porn addict. So it's a very hidden sin. Whereas if you have to deal with a gamer, a gamer is a very prideful person. And that is the son of a gamer is pride. So a gamer will talk about his games. He will brag about his games. He will spend all his money on, a, on the game. He will tell you about his skill ratio and his hit ratio and all his friends will be gamers. So that one again is out there. So to get a gamer to understand, listen, that what you are doing is actually killing you. It's killing your brain. It's killing your attention span. It's changing the structure of your brain is so difficult because a gamer is a prideful person and we know pride struggles to bow its knee. So that's why the different categories, the different symptoms and the treatment therefore is also different. Well, yeah, that's just, yeah, if you think about it, you know, you, if somebody smokes, you can see he's a smoker, mm. you know, he's physical. Exactly. But pornography, you, you're so right. It's something that nobody speaks about. And you know, there's the not statistics. a lot of... Yeah, the statistics, uh, you know, with regards to pornography is absolutely horrendous. Um, and with regard now that we talk about, you know, somebody standing on a pulpit, that they say, they reckon that 50% of, of pastors or spiritual leaders will have a, a porn addiction or might have a porn addiction. And what I also see with regards to Christian schools or a Christian home or Christian parents, that those parents are so ignorant that they will say, but not in my house. I've seen, or they say that 75% of your Christian parents will say that my child have never been exposed to pornography. And if you take the children, that 50% of that children said that they have in fact been exposed to pornography. 
So it is a huge problem. And if you see the amount of data that goes to pornography, it's more than Netflix, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest combined is the amount of data that goes to porn. And it's really a huge problem. So they reckon that the youngest age or the average age of a person getting exposed to unwanted sexual content is from the age of nine. And they say that you should speak to your children about exposure to unwanted sexual content from the age of five. So it's really the statistics around this is really horrible, horrible. And like we have seen now with this movie of Sound of Freedom, you know what actually the the worst case scenarios of pornography can be you know is is where where you want to act out what you see and with everything there's always this progression in sin and sound of freedom is a good example of just where this progression can can lead is to this horrible horrible crimes against children Absolutely. I just spoke to um, our friend yesterday, one of my close friends here, and I told her that if we can teach our children um, the cycle of human trafficking, you know, and the start and the, at the end, you you can find pornography in there. So Everywhere. if you can teach mm-hmm. your children that if you watch pornography, you are feeling the tra- human trafficking industry. So if you can understand it's not only a movie, it is real people that might be in danger that has been abused you know they were um, made videos of without consent yeah but it is that's that's a battle Ooh, the enemy loves that so one question I want to ask you is if you um, do you think there will ever be an end to this battle that we are fighting I think there are some places that do try what we have seen now a press release was released now last week friday that the netherlands for example is banning cell phones in schools from the 1st of january 2024 then we also see that the state of iowa it's now the first state that is um, bringing in law that the software to block unwanted sexual content must be on a phone from the moment you take out the phone out of the box. The software to block that is already on the phones. You know, you see countries like China who have um, also put it into law that children is not allowed to play games after the age of eight. So there is some of the first world countries that can see the devastation and they try to put laws and regulations in place because we will never, ever, ever be without phones. Unfortunately, this is going to be here to stay. For our generation, we, the baby boomers generation and up, you know, we, we could pinpoint the exact time and date when we first receive our cell phones. So we have an yeah. era before phones. We can say mm-hmm. to our children, when I was young, I did this and we played outside and we know that it was time to go home when the street lights came on and we built yachts and flats and tree houses and we played in the mud and we, you know, we got dirty in the evening and it's not just something that it's children does not understand that. So yes, they, 
the, the generation now from the millennials and upwards, they do not know a life without phones. So unfortunately, it's here to stay, but the responsibility is now on the parents to guide children's digital life just as they are guiding real life. They cannot give a child a phone and, and say, here you are, love you, and give the phone in the child's hand and not have massive rules and regulations in place with regards to that. So unfortunately, will we see more and more devastation? Yes, we will. And I'm still learning every day. The other day, a girl came to into the counseling room and that girl was the worst case of cutting that I've ever seen in my life. She, she just lifted up her school skirt a little bit and, and it was hundreds and hundreds. It was really her whole, her whole legs, her thighs was like cut to like you won't even see a part of normal skin. And I was horrified when I saw it. And when I'm ask her about what's going on she said to me that there is an application that you can download that gives you access to the dark web which i didn't i knew the dark web you know existed and i know what's going on in the dark web by research only but there's actually a, a portal or an a door into the dark web and there she met listen to this there she met a guy on the dark web that called himself Pickface. And Pigface, he says that he is Pigface because he will skin a pig and put that Pigface on his head. And that's how he communicated with the children. And he was grooming her for the sex trade. And he actually showed her like animals in cages and things like that. And it disturbed her to the point that she ended up in a psychiatric hospital because of what she saw online. So... And this is the sad part that the, the the level of evil that people can go to is sometimes you know unthinkable to to me. I cannot I cannot even begin to think what's going on there. You know so and 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 this is the unfortunate thing about the enemy. You know that the Bible says clearly we must not be ignorant about the schemes of the devil. But I think sometimes we have no idea how far the enemy will take this the schemings the schemes of him you know he is he is evil beyond measure i agree 100 percent. wow so how can our listeners prevent some of these dangers that you i mean how could that go prevent what happened to her yeah and you know and then again a, a lot of these troubles and issues that we see with regards to children who is almost like criminal on, on the digital world is that it comes from brokenness already, you know? So with her as well, she have no contact with her father. Her mother is, um, you know, very, very, very strict. Her mother is almost like abusive. She, so it's a really dysfunctional house already. And the, the, the world wide web and the dark web and social media, was a escape for her and and she was actually an ideal prey for a predator because there is there is brokenness already 
so that is the problem and you know what's common it's something that we see in south africa especially with regards to a community or a previously disadvantaged community which is quite a big part of our country and we that parents will say that because we were disadvantaged when we were younger, we want to give our children now everything that we did not have. So those parents are also very uneducated about, you know, what's going on on the phones and the pornography and the sex texting and the social media and, you know, taking nudes and sending nudes and they have no idea. So it boils down to education 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 we i when i speak to parents and i i say this almost every single time i say to parents please when i come across strong please do not think that i'm judging you or that i am condemning you or that i am blaming you i know as a mother that you did not know so parents really have a responsibility to go and check out for yourself what's going on there. You know, I say to parents as well, if your child is on TikTok, then you as a parent will get a TikTok account as well. Whether you are interested in TikTok or not, you should be on TikTok. If your child has an Instagram account, you will be on Instagram as well. If your child is on Snapchat, you're going to be on Snapchat, you know, and you have to be involved in that digital world. You have to put in screen time boundaries. They must be screen time boundaries. You cannot just leave it open. So for a primary school child, one hour a day screen time is more than enough for a high school child two hours a day maximum screen time so and then you must take the phone and you must check what are they doing with whom are they talking and just be involved have the conversations there's no such thing also as your child having a password on on their phone and you as a parent does not know what that password is it's unacceptable and you know a lot of parents will tell me yeah but my child's phone is private and i will be invading his privacy and then i wanna burst something in my head <laughs> when they say that to yeah. me you know because it's not private at the end of the day who's buying the phone you are buying the phone you are paying for the data you pay the wi-fi every month so technically whose phone is it it's your phone so you make the rules and then if the rules is broken there should be consequences but you know i sometimes feel like parents are scared of their children it's like almost like the children makes the rules and the parents must be obedient you know so it's absolutely it's horrible. yeah last week we were at the bike shop and um my husband um saw a photo of the the owner of the shop and he's got three boys so he said wow got three boys it must be so cool to do mountain biking with all three of you guys together and he said uh no they don't want to do that anymore they're into video games now yes and Vessel said that's sad and he says yeah they they just don't want to ride bike with me and Vessel's like but who bought the video games and the guy was like oh yeah you're right it's me <laughs> so you can you can take it yeah. you can take it back no i can't take it back that they they would oh they would be very mad so you that see, that parent actually lost the relationship of riding bike outside because they are scared of their children. 
it's and it's really sad it's really really sad and this is one thing that i see you know with this whole generation is that this they are entitled really really so entitled thinking that i it's my right to have a phone it's my right to have data and wi-fi it's my right to have a social media account and you are not allowed to invade my privacy so yes i get yeah, I come across very strong with things like that. Um, I really, really try to help parents with, and I understand it's difficult. And I understand that you want to be a popular parent. And I understand that you want to you know, almost like give your child the opportunity to explore the digital world because a lot of parents will say, yeah, but it's the future and it is the future and children should be allowed on on the internet etc etc the problem is and this is something that i also say a lot is that when your child for example gets exposed to pornography at a very young age that pornography imprints like a tattoo on the brain and sometimes if they get addicted to pornography to the point where they watch it over and over and over. For example, I had a boy 13 years old when he came to me. He watched pornography up to 20 times a day, completely addicted. And he came across porn completely by accident when he was only nine years old. And so for that boy to recover from that type of brain damage, damage to his soul, to his spirit. I'm wondering if he will ever be able to recover completely. So just sometimes the damage can be permanent. And and what then? I agree. I mean, I was exposed to pornography when I was 10 years old. Um, 40, I'm turning 43 and I can still remember most of the images. Yeah, vividly. And that's why I say Go, porn imprint. Yeah, it's something that you, you can never unseen it. Yes. So, yes, I think yes. just what you said now, I would also not be, I will never be, I'm a, I'm a better person now. I'm a whole person I'm a, and I'm healed. But I can never be who I was before Yes, the exposure to pornography. And the thing is, I, I if you take something like, like a match, if you light a match, and you blow out that match, you can never use that match again. It's gone forever. And the same goes with a child's innocence. The moment a child's innocence is gone, it's lost forever. You can never, ever, ever give a child's innocence back. And what I try to teach teenagers as well, when they get involved with sex texting and sending nudes and talking, you know, rough to each other and having all these images and pornography, it's almost like when you when you light a candle. And the moment you light that candle, that candle will start to burn. And it will burn and burn and burn and burn until, you know, when you meet your future husband or your future wife. So what will you have left to give to your future husband or wife? Maybe 
a very short candle because that candle started burning when you were 10 or 11 years old, getting being sexually active or just exposing your nakedness and giving away your purity. And, and we have this massive amount of divorces currently all over the world, you know, and, and the role that pornography is playing is, is huge. It's massive. And also the other day, you know, I was sitting with a girl again and she was crying and she was heart sore and she, her, her grades were dropping and they referred her to counseling and I asked her, you know, what's going on. And she was crying and she said, you know, there is trouble at her house and her parents are constantly fighting and her mother found out that her father had an affair for quite a while, you know, and because again of the cell phones and Snapchat, because when when you when you chat via Snapchat, the, the snap delete, so there's no chat history, and so there was an affair going on for 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 I don't know months and months and months, and now the parents are getting divorced, and just how easy it is nowadays to have an, an affair with our phones. So it's not just children, it's it's marriages, it's it's everything. Yeah, it destroys families. Yes, unfortunately. Like the example so you have given if, that mm -hmm. that two boys is is lost to that father. They're lost. How do you yeah, get those two boys back? Anymore. Yeah, and if you leave them for six months after a year, you can just sell that box. This but now there's not a continuance in that relationship of friendship and chatting and converting and yeah. playing and falling with the bike and eating a hot dog afterwards. Exactly. And there's nothing of that. It's gaming. And, so now the dad needs to game yeah. to, to be able to spend time exactly. with his son. And the sad so part it, is it that... Impacts him. Yes, and the sad part is, is that two boys will say to him, they have friends. They don't, want, they don't need to go outside or they don't need to socialize because they have friends, but the friends will be the, the other gamers and the virtual friends, but they will not do not realize that that's not real friends. That's not interaction. That's not connection. That's not making eye contact. Like you say, that's not getting dirty outside and, and falling down and, and, and just, you know, experiencing life and have the sun on your skin and sweating and it's nothing. They miss out. They miss out. And the other day I read an amazing thing that somebody said and they say is that because we we have taken away children's boredom and it, it, this um, poem goes on by saying that because children are not bored anymore, no future chef will mess up their mother's kitchen and no future writer will be starting to write or no future guitarist will start you know picking on on his aunt's guitar and that was so true because children are not bored anymore they are not explorers and they are not you know inquisitive anymore and having this imagination and finding things out and because they are they are constantly constantly engaged with the screen that is just so sad. I was just thinking of our uh, very clever listeners that always wants an answer or a fact or, you know, is not uh, happy just by 
saying, listen, screens are really not good for you. Um, is there any explanation, like scientific explanation to why screens are addicted, addictive? Yeah, so it's actually 100% scientifically proven, which, and that was the reason for the second PhD was the main reason with the first one, it was only a hypothesis and deductions and things like that. But with the second one, with a, with the machine, a functioning MRI machine, they have now proven that the damage to the brain, and this is actually a whole conversation on its own, but just to understand that in the exact same way, a person gets addicted to nicotine or to 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 narcotics or alcohol, you get addicted to your screen. So it is all about the dopamine. It is excessive amount of dopamine. You know, some people will say, it's, he's also an author, he wrote a book, The Digital Cocaine, Brad Huddleston. He was actually the first person who started researching digital addiction on the brain. And Brad Huddleston will say that you will secrete almost 400 times more dopamine on a screen than what is what is healthy for you. So what is happening then, the brain actually is building up a tolerance to protect itself because you can overstimulate a neuron until death. So to protect itself from this massive amount of dopamine, your brain builds almost like this wall from the impulse that it gets from the screen and, and to the pleasure center to protect the pleasure center. And that again have an effect on your serotonin level. So that's where the depression comes in. It has an effect on your cortisol level. So that is where the aggression comes in. And that's also then leads to people who is cutting because if your pleasure center is so blocked off, you cannot experience pleasure anymore. So that's why, for example, the bikers or the, the son who, who used to bike, they will not want to bike anymore because their pleasure center does not experience pleasure anymore unless they are in front of the screen. So now when a person starts self-harming, their body secretes endorphins. And then a cutter or a person who is self-harming will say, but at least I'm feeling something again. They are so blocked off of experiencing pleasure and that term is called anhedonia. It, it's an impossibility to experience pleasure. Um, the self-harming helps a little just, just to feel something. So the addiction cycle in the brain is, is, is proven scientifically. The amazing thing, Carmen, the amazing thing is that our brain is 100% neuroplastic. So when you stop the screen time, your brain will start to, to heal itself. You know, there is mothers who said to me after just one week of taking away the screen that I am getting my boy back. I see this old child. I see him laughing again and playing again. And after six weeks, your brain can be healed completely of just taking away the screens. It's not so difficult. Take away the phone, except for pornography exposure. So pornography exposure, they reckon it will take your brain about three year, years to heal from, from the images that you've been exposed to. But with regards to the, the depression and the aggression and the anxiety and the isolation, it's six weeks, then you have your child back. 
That is unbelievable. And it's such an easy thing actually to do, just yes. to take the phone away. Yes. But it seems like a mountain for parents, you know. Like, yeah, so would, you, would you say that that is, the, that is the first step that you can do to help somebody, is to absolutely, take the device away? Absolutely. Just, for, you know, a, a question that I get often is at what age, you know, should a parent give a child the phone? So that's actually to start with. Um, and then my answer is that, because social me- the age restriction of social media is 13 years old, you, I would suggest give your child a phone when he is 14 years or going to high school, then you can give your child a phone. Um, and then obviously with massive restrictions and massive rules with regards to that, you can even download a, a, a cell phone contract and, and it actually does work. And there's amazing examples online of, of cell phone contracts, but but at the end of the day, yes, it is as easy as just take the phone away. But you must remember that when you take the phone away, you as a parent must then be involved in your child's life. And I think it's so easy for parents nowadays just to give the child a phone because then you know exactly where that child is. He is on his couch, on, on the couch or in his bedroom and he's not, you know, naughty or or doing something is there. Um, So that means if you take the phone away that you must replace the screen time with an activity. You must replace the screen time with sport again or going to the gym or exercising or, or, or communicating. So, and I think that is the biggest problem of, of very, very busy parents or in a household where both the mother and the father works. When the mother gets home at night, you know, she'd still have to cook and clean and do the washing and help with the homework. So she's also just just overwhelmed. And when she gives the child a phone, the child is just quiet while she can have like a cup of tea for 30 minutes. Um, but, but that's not the answer. So yes, an easy solution is take away the phone. But when you take the phone away, you must replace that, that screen hours. Otherwise, they will be, um, because you must remember the child will go into withdrawal. Like with any addiction, they will be withdrawal. So, so replacing with with something positive like exercising and 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 you know having um, family time again or go for a walk together or something like that is and the, is is the solution at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely! I love this conversation that we're having. I wish we had more time for it. Um, We will have to get you again, Dr. Brandt. It was such an amazing pleasure and an honor just to speak to you and tell our listeners where can can we get your book. And um, I know your website is digenwebsite.com. Yes. Am I correct? Yes, it is. So it's www.digenwebsite.com. And my email address also is anke, A-N-K-E, dot digen at gmail.com so unfortunately the book is not available on amazon anymore we have taken it off amazon because of the massive exchange rate but we do have copies of the book so if you do want a copy of the book please contact me and we will see to to send it to you definitely all our south african listeners get the copy of this amazing book that will guide you help you and teach you to really be free and to know and to, you know, to warn your children and to be educated so that the enemy 
um, can keep his hands off our children. Our future is bright and God is always good, but yes. we're still in a fight. And it's important to be vigilant for our faith and what we stand for. Um, guys, thank you. This is it for today. You can follow us at unchainedhotchildren.co.za. We love having you, Anka. Thank Thanks again. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. <laughs>